In three, two, one, and we're live. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you were here? How about new? You crazy Dutch bastard. What we've got here is failure to communicate. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. That's cute. I remember when I had my first beer. Why so serious? I am serious. And don't call me stupid. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the DTD program, Do the Deed. Tonight, we have a special, special show for you. Suicide is a serious problem that is affecting the United States, not only with military that are returning, retired military, frontline responders with COVID, suicide is up. And tonight, we're going to talk to the chairman of the board of 22 Kill. It's an organization that was created to raise a community that raises awareness and combat suicide by empowering veterans, first responders, and the families through traditional and non-traditional therapies. So tonight, we have Dan Lombard, Jr., and what we are going to talk to him about is all of the different therapies that can be done in order to bring you out of whatever kind of hole you might be in right now and empower you to move on with your life. So, like I said, it's going to be the chairman of the board tonight, 22 Kill. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing fine. How are you? I am excellent. Uh, I'm super excited to talk to you about this tonight. I, I know that it sounds weird that I say I'm super excited to talk to you about it, but I think now more than ever, um, this is a, a serious problem, especially with COVID, with people being locked inside, with people not knowing, you know, what to do, you know, just with their lives right now. You'll hear a lot of people just say, I'm bored. I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know this and that. And I think it really affects people that are coming in, maybe getting out of the military or doing whatever and and already have kind of a step back saying, what do I do with the next phase of my life? So that's where your organization comes in. So let's talk about just how it got created and and what your background is to bring this to the forefront. So how it got created was actually just before I got involved, uh, a few Marines got together and they noticed that they lost a lot of friends by suicide. And uh, about that time in 2012, the VA came out with this staggering uh, statistic that we were losing 22 veterans every day uh, by suicide. Um, the first plan that they wanted to try to do was is just create uh, a community of awareness, let people know. Um, so about that time when, uh, they were trying to figure out a way, that's when the 22 push up challenge was created. And then how that, you know, that you were part of our tribe and how, you know, that, uh, you understood the mission was you did your 22 push ups and you got your 22, uh, kill ring. So from there, I moved in, uh, as a board member, for just uh, HCC was our first mission, which was called Honor, Courage, Commitment. 
And then myself and Jake Schick, who was the CEO, decided that, you know, we separated those two and 22 kill became uh, 501c3 by itself. And, and then we, uh, it just unfortunate that HCC went away. Uh, the program uh, just disappeared uh, after we took over 22 kill. Um, so once we did the 22 kill with the push-ups and the push-up challenge, it went viral. I mean, I remember the first, it was like first two, two and a half years, we had over 22 million push-ups that we registered. And it, it was insane. Everybody was doing it. We had, you know, celebrities, we had The Rock, we had David Beckham, we had all these guys doing this stuff. Well, my goal and Jake's goal, and uh, at that time we had a few other board members, was the next step, which was the next step was not only to talk about the awareness, but actually make a difference, actually provide programs. So we took on the organization Stay the Course, and Stay the Course is our uh, actual counseling program. So Stay the Course is actually we provide services. Now, why is this more successful? Uh, or why is 22 kills so successful? You know, first of all, we make a small dent in what's out there right now. And as well, I was talking to you before we got on the air, is that we went up to the hill in DC to talk about this to let people, you know, hey, in DC, this is what's going on right now. And that's when, like you said, they came back and what we were told was it's not 22 a day anymore, it's like 21. Okay. Uh, but in that, um, in those statistics, there's a lot of states that don't turn in their totals. There's a lot of some states that don't turn in women totals. There's some states that view if a veteran from the VA was taking 40 pills a day and all of a sudden he took 100, uh, unless he leaves a note or something on social media, that's an accidental death. So it's, it's, it's funny that we're worried about a number. Because unless it becomes zero, it's an issue, right? Absolutely. Uh, so in that, you know, we decided, hey, listen, we need to pro provide some programs. But every veteran, uh, and I, I can't say every veteran, but most veterans, you know, uh, the tough guy thing, right, which is in our first responder world and is in our veteran world is, you know, you're coped to be a warrior and you feel, well, there's nothing I can't take on or handle. And so when you're feeling depression and anxiety and these things are happening, you start saying, I can handle this on my own, or I shouldn't be feeling this way, but I don't want anybody to know that, you know, this weakness. And, you know, what we push out is, first of all, it's okay not to be okay. I mean, Absolutely. everybody's been de depressed in their life. There's, if you tell me you've never been depressed, you're, you're a liar. Okay. Absolutely. Because everybody has been. So in that, uh, it's just, how do you get the veterans in? Well, you know, what I always say is you see what's going on right now in society, right? Um, and uh, all the things, the riots and the looting and the issues that we have. Well, when we were in the military, we didn't have those issues. I, we didn't care if you were black, Asian, Hispanic. It didn't matter. You were family because uh, the military tears you down and builds you back up. And in that build back up, you look at everybody like a brother or sister. You don't look at them about, hey, what what religion they are or what color they are. They don't care. It's a brother or sister and you got their six, you got their back. So it's funny that, that, that our camaraderie is so strong that when a man or woman gets out, they miss that camaraderie. So they seek for it. And uh, example would be what you see that happened in Vietnam. 
In Vietnam, a lot of the Vietnam vets, because how bad they were treated, went to motorcycle gangs. Because in the motorcycle gangs, it reconnected a camaraderie, a family that they were used to having. And that's why, uh, I, you know, it just seems that the veterans will cling together. They, they can find each other. And you'll take two veterans who've never met each other. By the end of the night, they're hugging. They're giving each other high fives. It's just a whole nother world. So in our program, the first mission is when you describe we do traditional and non-traditional therapies. Well, there's a whole bunch of non-traditional therapies. But the goal of the non-traditional therapy is get veterans in and build a level of trust. Because you can't work on the six inches between your ears, right? If you don't have trust. So we have events that uh, are non-traditional programs could be, we have yoga, which is, I never thought it would take off, but it took off. We have art therapy. We have music therapy. We have our forged program, which is forged in service, strengthened by a purpose, giving them a new purpose. That's hunting, fishing, all the outdoor things. But all those events, we've got wind therapy, which is motorcycle. We just had our motorcycle ride. We had 500 motorcycles on our ride this last Saturday. So uh, when veterans get together and they realize they get to hang out with other veterans, that's where the trust starts building. So just say you're out hunting or fishing. And at the end of the night, each one of our programs is run by a counselor. And we start just talking. They just talk to each other. And then that's when maybe the demons start coming out of exp expressing the stress and anxiety and the stuff they go through by saying, man, you know, the other night I, I had my weapon in my mouth, right? Well, the key worlds start coming out where then other veterans who've gone through the program and the counselor start telling them, Hey, it's time to get that off your chest. It's time to make you whole again and get you going. So that's the non-traditional is building that community together of veterans and first responders. And then it makes them understand through those uh, non-traditional programs, maybe maybe I do need to talk to somebody. And what's fantastic is the people you're talking to is either a veteran or, or counselors. They all have their master's degree. We have a few doctors on staff is uh, a veteran or they were a first responder or they were married to a veteran or first responder. So they understand the language. So in that, that's where we want to build is trust that, as I say, is how can you manage your life and the things you go through? Well, I would say uh, an example would be DEFCON, right? So DEFCON 1, 2, and 3, uh, I say me personally, I can manage those. I know how to manage those. If I get to 4 or 5, I probably need to talk to somebody, right? So before I get to 4, I know maybe it's time to, to talk to somebody and try to figure out what it is that's triggering those things that's making you to, you know, reach those levels. So the sad part, you know, people get confused with 22 kill is they'll go, man, you're saving all these people. Well, I can't save anyone. The only one that can save anybody is the man upstairs, right? But we can empower you. We can give you the tools that you need to understand how to manage your DEFCON levels, right? And also the, it's the largest divorce rate is first responders and veterans. So not only do we counsel the veteran or the first responder, we do their family, their kids. And that's because we want the unit as a whole to become a stronger unit together. Uh, so 
you know, I'll give an example that if uh, a guy's deployed and just say he's deployed, he's away from his family. So the whole time he's not dad. Dad's fighting a battle, right? He's a soldier. So mom's managing everything, the kids, everything. So when dad or mom, whoever the warrior is, comes back home, they think they need to be in charge. Well, whoever it was managing the household has been in charge. So instantly there's this huge, you know, clash of, wait, I'm in charge. You know, hey, you haven't been here. I've been managing it. And also the kids, you know, I mean, if you've been gone, how have you developed to be and learn how to be a dad, right? So these are things that why the failure rate is so high is because you're, you know, you, you're be taught to, to become this killing or soldier machine and you're coming home and I got to learn how to be a husband. I got to learn how to be a dad. I learn, have to learn how to manage money. Uh, then what do I do with myself? Once you out process, right? It's funny how they spend really years to build the machine, right? Because, you know, past basic training, they're still building. They're still constant Absolutely. training and things. But then in a week or, or less, you're out processed and you're a civilian. So the sad part is there's just not enough out processing time to really work on the individual to really say, what are you going to do with your life? And even past that, uh, you know, you might have been given some skills, but there's still communication skills are different. Uh, talking to civilians are different. You know, I have a few veterans. I mean, we all give each other a bunch of crap, right? And hell. And, you know, you might the night before fight over something and beat the hell out of each other. And the next day you just hug it out. It was just something that happened. That just doesn't work out in the civilian world. You can't tell your boss to go F off and expect right. to have your job tomorrow. Right. Well, that's where the, some of the guys get confused. It was like, hey, I'm coming back in. I'm, hey, man, let's, let's hug it out. I'm, no, dude, you don't work here anymore. What? You know what I mean? So it becomes a, a, a huge concern of how do I get back going? And here's the other thing. If, if you were a low level in the Army, and I mean low level like a low grade, right, where you didn't get a college education, and just say, uh, you know, you're a corporal or whatever, when you spend so many years in and you get out, uh, the world's changed. I mean, you think, just say in the past four years, you, you can see how much the world has changed in technology and other things. And you get out and all of a sudden it's like, I need to learn all these new skills, right? And where do I, who's going to teach me? Where do I find out how to do this? And then where it really hits home, because a lot of veterans have told me, and I sum it up in this story, is just say you're gone eight years and you run in, you get out and you run into a friend of yours. He had a different, you know, you, you went separate paths. He went to college. Uh, he graduated. He's got this great job. He's got the house on the hill, the picket fence, the little dog in the yard and the freaking, you know, he's grilling. And this, this. Uh, military person, male or female, gets out and says, "Why can't I have that? I mean, I, I you know, eight years of my life is is gone serving this country, and I want that. And guess what? Opportunities are just working at Walmart. You could start low level at Amazon. You can work fast food through the drive-through, and 
if you want to take somebody and, you know, humble them really quick and crush them is I don't have anything to do, but I'm going to be working at Walmart or standing the, you know, working a drive through when I've got a purple heart or, you know what I mean? Or, uh, you know, I went and fought this war. So the stress is there. It's well, just. And, and, and saying that the stress is there. Let, I, I want to digress for a minute in the conversation and, and just talk about when you say they get out and they've given eight years of their life. I don't think that people understand, you know, they, they, we, we talk about this a lot. Last week, I talked to Brad Thomas, who was a, a, a ranger, a, a Delta Force guy. And he said when he got out, he got out as a master sergeant. He really had no idea what to do in life, uh, started a band and stuff like that. Um, but he found therapy through the music and things like that. I think what a lot of people don't understand when you talk about jobs, when you work at Walmart or you work low level in the Amazon warehouse, it's not the same kind of job as low level in the military. You're talking about, we've been at war for quite a while now in Afghanistan and Iraq. This is the longest we've ever been at war. So a lot of these soldiers that are going in are spending time in country, what, whatever it may be, whether they're frontline, whether they're support, whatever, but they are spending time in country with a very real possibility that it might be their last day every single day. And so when you get that person that gets out, and that's all they've known as an adult because they join when they're 18, they're 26 years old now. And all they've ever known is this could be my last day. It changes things. Do you agree from, from no, a very no, cool level? And, and, you know, just so because we use the terminology, I mean, uh, low grade level. And, and I mean, like any grade that you didn't go to college, right? You could have been a staff sergeant or a master sergeant. I mean, Absolutely. You can be up all the way at that level. But, um, yeah, I mean. You, you get out and it's, it's, it's a, it's a huge culture shock, but not only that, what you just said about, you know, any day now, you, you know, that somebody could take your life, right? Absolutely. But in that you, your, your body changes. I mean, the chemistry of your body changes. In other words is, and this is, I, I call it the, the, the reverse adrenaline, which causes why I think a lot of veterans get in trouble when they're at home is you kind of take the, the fear, the fear goes away because you can't be afraid. you got to be able to run up that hill and do whatever you have to do. So the adrenaline's constantly going, right? Your adrenaline's going to keep you going. So you're always pumped up because you're always on that edge, right? On, on things that could happen. And when you get home, those experiences of adrenaline that were constant are gone, right? Right. And now you're in search for that adrenaline. And that's why you see veterans, you know, crazy dirt bike riders uh, trying to surf, trying to jump off buildings of stuff, trying to do stuff to get that uh, adrenaline constantly back. And the fact is, it's not going to be there like it was. Right. And Never. Then the other thing is that takes you to that emotional roller coaster because all of a sudden the adrenaline's not there. Well, guess what? Now all this repressed stuff, because at the end of the day, you know, all the billions of dollars we spend on medical research, the thing we know the least about is the brain. I mean, you think about we got the heart figured out. We got all these things figured out. We do not have the brain figured out. So in, in that in that research and the stuff that we we realize is they need to to try to get that adrenaline back and it's not there. So. Then all of a sudden, all the things that you saw, 
you know, maybe you lost friends, other people you saw, uh, like first responders, people in a car accident, a child that had passed away. When you go to bed, those repressed feelings come back, right? In your dreams. That's where the night terrors come. And all of a sudden, there's this anxiety of can't get to sleep. So guess what you start doing? You start self-medicating, right? Because you're like, okay, I cannot sleep because these things are haunting me. So I'm just going to take these two drugs. I'm going to take this. And the, and the VA, I mean, the VA has a bad name because it's just really hard to manage as many veterans as they have. You're not going to get personal care. It's just no. too hard. There's too many of them. So the problem is when a person comes in and says, I can't sleep, blah, blah, blah. The, the odds they're going to get you in counseling really quick are probably very low. So they're probably going to give you something to help you sleep. And then a couple months, that doesn't work anymore. So we'll double it. So it's this residual effect that we're kind of turning our, our military vets into drug addicts. Uh, and the thing that we have to do when 22 kill receives a veteran is we got to start over again. The first thing we say, you're going to have to stay away from drugs and alcohol. If you're taking a prescription drug, we need to see how much you're supposed to be taking. We need to help you moderate it because you can't just quit it because some of those will take you. So the thing we start doing is trying to help them manage themselves as, as the first stage of, I mean, if you're, if you're on some, if you're self-medicating, there's no, there's no reason I can't counsel you, right? Because you're not really here anyway. So we got to start with that first is, is let's start working on how you're coping with these skills. The next one is, is let's talk about your family members. How are they receiving what you're doing? How are you treating each other? So it's a long process. And the thing that we try to do is get them engaged in trust, start letting them work on them and understanding why they're having the feelings and then getting this stuff off their chest. If you see our logo, like you see this picture back here, the logo's up top, the gas mask. The gas mask is, because that's a military gas mask, is veterans and first responders, they can put that mask on and you think, man, they're doing great. They you know, don't seem like they're bothered at all about it. But all that's trapped in. We want them to remove the gas mask. We want them to be, hey, show us who you are, right? Let's get the real person out and let's get these feelings out on this on out in the open. And that all starts with trust. So that's what I'm most proud about my tribe is, is, is trust. And why we say tribe is, uh, you know, by default, if you're on a team, um, everybody can be on the same team if they wear the same jersey. But that doesn't mean they have the same mindset, right? Right. But a tribe has the same mindset. They, they all believe in the same cultural things and beliefs and stuff. And that's why we say one tribe, one fight. And that's not just veterans and first responders against suicide. That's everyone. We want everybody to be in that tribe to combat the suicide problem we have. And every time I talk about it, just like you said earlier, is suicide rate in teens is higher than it ever has been. Uh, so, so let's break those down for a minute, Dan. There's got to be, and, and maybe there's not a core answer to it, uh, you know, a one answer kind of fits all of them, but why do you think these levels are rising so much now? Let's take away COVID because those things were on the rise before that happened. Is it because there's no, 
there's no safe space anymore. And I, I, I don't, I hate to use the word safe space. What I mean is with the way technology is, with the way everything goes, no one can ever shut it off. And so. Well, well that's the problem though. Exactly. I feel, I feel what the problem is. So why is, uh, it seemed like we're, the, we're getting these, uh, Middle East, uh, the desert storm, Afghanistan, why are these uh, younger veterans having even more issues than it seemed like a lot of the older veterans uh, had? And I think because the distractions of communication has changed. Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, in my electrical company that uh, I'm part owner of, I have a you know a few project managers who are between the ages of uh, 28 and just under 40, somewhere around there. They will be on a job site and there'll be two trailers side by side. And instead of like we did in the old days, you walk out of this trailer and you go over to this one and say, hey, I got an issue. They want to send an email or they want to send a text. They have lost the skills of face-to-face -face communication. And even, you know, my kids, my 21 and 22 year old, I'll say, hey, what was the issue today? And there's nothing. Then 30 minutes later, I'm getting a text. Well, you said this. And I said, no, 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 no. You come back down here and talk to me. We're not right. dealing with this over a text. But we're getting uh, as a society, we're getting away from face to face communication. And how we've learned to communicate is I'm going to send an email. Or I'm going to send a text. And that's how. I'd say 90% of the younger generation deals with stuff. Well, in that there is, you don't know if I'm yelling at you unless you put it all in caps. You don't know if I'm being emotional at that moment. None of that can be seen, right? You can't read somebody's eyes. Right. So that's, I think the, the largest problem is the way America's grown is we've gotten away with the person to person communication and now you throw COVID where you got to be six foot apart and all this other stuff. It's just made it, made it worse. But think about it. When I was a kid, you know, my, my mom, when we got home for school, right, would say, put your crap up and get outside. And I don't right. want to see you till the streetlights were on. And we always interacted with kids. Now, what you do is you get on your game system and you're communicating through your game. But there's where's the relationship building where's the uh, understanding cultures and all that stuff is all gone because there yeah, all there's no reading the room anymore right at all. it's it's gone so when you put that into the younger generation the thing that i think has escaped the most is we used to care more and i say uh we used to love each other more and when i speak a lot the thing i say that we're missing the most is loving each other i mean you know when I was around with my friends back in high school, back in the day, when somebody said they were hurting, you went over to their house or you went and met them somewhere because you cared about them and you wanted to make sure they're all right. That's kind of disappeared these days. And it's funny, like I tell my kids, if you say somebody says, hey, I'm hurting, you go, well, man, if you need anything, I'm your person. I said, you better be sincere about that. You better not right. just say it because what I've seen happens a lot. And like a lot of my veterans friends that are going through stuff, they said, man, once I hit rock bottom, my civilian friends all disappeared.
I mean, it just like there was no one. And they outreached to one of us or to another veteran and saying, listen, bro, I'm hurting. I need help. I need somebody to help me. And that's the great circle of camaraderie that 22 Kill's been able to build is, hey, if somebody's asked for help, it just somebody who's gone through the program or has gone through uh, a lot of the stuff and understands 22 Kill, you know, you need to you need to listen you know, and you need to provide some solutions when somebody has an issue. And I think a lot of people uh, more, it seems like in our world that other veterans learn, but you know, when I talk to other people that, you know, just say they're civilians, they okay. say, man, I, my friend was hurting, but man, I'm not a doctor. I, I, you know, I don't know. I didn't know what to say. And I said, all you have to do is say you love and care about them. I mean, and, and stick there with them. But we've learned in a society to try to disconnect ourselves from other people's issues. And that's been a real problem. Cause when I talked to a lot of the Vietnam vets, they said, man, if I, if I had my buddies that came back and that's who their circle of guys were that, you know, they may have met them at the bar or whatever, but a lot of the Vietnam guys stuck together because they knew that's the only family they had, but that's what got a lot of those uh, men and women through was at least they knew how to connect to somebody with the same pain and anguish. Now we lost a lot of vets by suicide and we didn't track a lot of the Vietnam stuff. So we Absolutely. don't know how many we really lost. But when, when I talked to uh, someone like the guy uh, that signed that he's a, a medal of honor, he was from world war two. And uh, he told me, he goes, you know, what is me and my buddies when we got back from world war two, we were each other's, I mean, we cried on each other's shoulders. We were our support. But then even he said he's like 90 years old. But, you know, we didn't have a phone in the house. We didn't have a TV. We didn't have all these other things as distractions. We just had each other. Uh, so I, I, it's society's changed a lot. It really has. So let me ask you, Dan, at any point, and this is going to be a, a I don't want to put you in a tough spot with this, but do you think at any point that the military has failed these guys getting out, these guys and girls getting out? I know you said before that, you know, you're out processed in a week and they've been building you up for all these years and then you're out in a week. Is, do you think that the military is doing everything it can to help these guys out? And, and even so far as to say first line responders, when these guys leave, it was their whole identity. When these girls leave, it was their whole identity. Are they doing enough on that side of the, the coin to help these guys out? No, but you know, I tell everybody there's, there's a couple things on that. First of all, at the end of the day, the military is a business, right? Okay. Uh, the government and where are they going to put their money in their funds? They're going to put their money in funds that they need, you know, a lot of uh, advertisement education to get people to join. And then they want you to become the best soldier that you could possibly be. They want to try to get the best um, guns and ammunition and um, supply that's around you to make you um, get your job done as easy as you can. And I think where the, the dollars run off is how can we help you when you get out? But do they understand there's a problem? Yeah, they do. Because uh, it was about, uh, I think it was last year sometime, 
the Air Force did uh, a down day, uh, two days, that they shut down every base for suicide prevention. That's active duty. So they know there's an issue. The Marines are starting to get more uh, uh, active, and I think the Army is too. It's just the two that I've been following was the Air Force and, and uh, the Marines is that it's even starting to be a huge epidemic within active duty. I mean, it, when it was Desert Storm, which I was in, in Afghanistan, there, the suicide rate within an active duty person wasn't as high as it's starting to be now. So any idea why the, is it the same reasons that we talked about before? Do you think it's something different? I, I just think it's coping skills. And I think also emotionally, um, uh, the young men and women don't know what they're getting themselves into. Right. Um, they think they do when they join and then they want out. And when they feel like, I mean, you have to accept the fact you are, you are owned by someone else. Absolutely. And it, it, you know, like in Desert Storm in Afghanistan, both of them, if you wanted to take a break and you wanted to play volleyball and you got sunburnt, you're going to get in trouble because you damaged government property. Government property. Yep. So it, it it's hard for some of them to think, I just can't say, hey, guess what? I quit like a normal job. No, you can't do that. Um, so that's where I think the non-acceptance, but I think the government is doing a poor decision in their solution, which is to make basic training much easier. Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I talk to the new men and women that are coming out and what they can do now compared to what I could do or these Marines can do is, is a joke. It's unbelievable. Uh, well, they have uh, stress cards and all kinds yeah, of stuff. So a friend yeah. of mine's son is in basic training right now in the army and he has this red card and I think he can use it twice or three times. I don't know. And if he pushes it up, he, they can't yell at him anymore. Right. And listen, these are supposed to be future warriors, right? And not everybody can be that. And I tell everybody is not everybody can do a lot of jobs that you have to try on. Not, you know how many men and women try out to be firefighters and police officers and EMTs. You can't pass the test. You can't do the physical part. You can't be one. End of story. But I think we're, we're reducing some of the things that why it makes you emotionally stronger. And they're reducing that. And it's, it's not making it any better. Um, so I don't know what the new warriors that are going to come out, how, you know, the stresses they're going to be put under. But I know the ones that we handle and the, the first responders, I mean, we know what's going on with the first responders right now is, you know, I'm glad that uh, Fort Worth, where I'm at, Fort Worth, the city, loves their police. Uh, and even passed the, the increased tax to help the police department. But Dallas and some of the other surrounding, that, that they're not having the same thing. So a lot of Dallas officers wanting to leave and go to other deals because I mean, you're having people spit on you, you know, try well, to test the, you know, your stress levels by getting in your face. Well, not you know, and Dan, we were, we not necessarily you and I, but we were talking about it the other day and, and I equate it to the Vietnam era. And I think we're going to reach a level where it's just like the Vietnam soldiers coming back that were spit on, that were disrespected, that just did, 
you know, what the government asks of them, what their country asks of them. And they're built up a level where it was a us versus them mentality. And I think that at a certain point, we're going to get to that again, where there's just no common ground between the two. And I don't ever want to see that, but I think we're headed towards something like that. No, and I think you're right. I think that once again, we'll raise our numbers again. Well, there's, there's no doubt. And the problem is, is that if we do not, if, if there's not more places like 22 kill for them to go to in our right. stay the course program, you're going to have less people wanting to join the military, less people wanting to be police officers, less people wanting to be firefighters and EMTs. And we're going to have a big problem. And, and, you know, the example that I always say that uh, Bill Gates said, because, you know, when I joined the, the military, I wanted to be an engineer and then I didn't want to sit behind a desk. So I went through uh, and the electrical and got my master's license at a young age and then did drawing. And I understood it all. But there's a lot of people that come out that uh, don't have those opportunities. Right. And uh, the thing that I'm concerned about is that what I was saying on Bill Gates was when computers started up, right, they were the rage. And everybody wanted to be it. And it was $100 an hour to become a computer programmer. And it all it was like $10 an hour to get your toilet unstopped, right? And he says, man, I bet you in 10 years this is going to switch. And he was dead on. Yep. Now you call a plumber, it's $100 an hour. And anybody can build you a computer program for $10 an hour yeah. because it saturated. Well, what we're going to have is nobody's going to want to be a police officer. And regardless where these cities think they're going to defund them, it's going to cost you a lot more to get a police officer because nobody's going to want to do it unless they get paid a whole hell of a lot more than they get paid now. So that's what I'm thinking is we're going to, you're going to end up seeing a big switch of uh, to entice people to be an officer. The only thing you can do is pay them a lot more, which they deserve anyway. But what I'm saying is that they, they're trying to push out to defund these people. But at the end of the day, the same people who are saying defund them are when somebody breaks in their house or calling the police. Right. So at the end of the day, you have to have somebody that says the law of the land, because like everybody said, it says, Hey, to the younger kids, watch a movie. The movie's called Mad Max. Check it out. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, there'll be a few Thunderdomes and that's how you're going to realize who, who, you know, <laughs> what happens when somebody breaks in your freaking backyard or something. Right. But we're headed to, a higher level of definitely uh, stress and anxiety and stuff all the way across the board. But uh, the great part, like I said, is uh, the community awareness that we bought a lot of people, you know, I, I've flown all over the place and I run into people at airports wearing their 22 kill ring. Uh, a lot of stars you'll see Jay Glazer every once in a while wears 22 kill ring on Fox sports and news. Some of the, the veterans and the people we know that we gave rings where it's so, uh, we've gotten it really spread out now. And now what we want to do is continually to learn and spread more ways. So now we do telehealth through your cell phone, right? So okay. if you can't, if we can't get to you, well, we'll counsel you through the phone, which is telehealth. So we can still see your face and, and cause just say you are in a different state and you need help. You can contact us. So we have well, all these other important things. face to face. Like you said, yeah. it's, you, you got to be able to read the room by talking to someone over the phone. You might hear what they're saying, but, but yeah. you might not understand what they're saying. Is definitely yeah. a, a must, but we'd rather see in person if possible. But I'll let you know. One other thing is uh, come 
next year, the one tribe, uh, one tribe, one fight is we're breaking up 22 kill and we're creating a, an umbrella. We have all these services. So you'll see that we'll release uh, the first part of next year that the one tribe foundation is what we're going to be called. Now inside the one tribe foundation, we will keep 22 kill. That'll be our awareness program and our, uh, the veterans really connect to that 22 kill. And then we'll have forged. We'll have, uh, we'll have stay the course as our counseling. We have white star. White star is uh, like gold star. You know, there'd be a gold star family. You lost somebody, but just say uh, you're a veteran. You got out and you took your life. Uh, if you got out and you took your life, you weren't active duty. Gold star won't take them. So we created white star and we, White Star takes whoever, whatever family lost a, uh, any person in service, a man and woman, we will be their allies and help the family and support the family. And our new program that I say new, it's almost a year or it's been probably a year is watch and watch is stands for, we are the children of heroes. And what watch does is concentrate on the children of the lost. And that's first responders or veterans, right? Uh, we let the children learn how to do community active programs. We take them on trips. Uh, we have a music program where it's really cool. We have a Nashville uh, songwriter comes in. He gets with each kid, and they, they basically take the pain of losing mom or dad, and they get to put it in a song, and the Nashville guy rearranges it, puts it, plays it, and records it, and gives it back to the child that they can, hey, you created this song, so look, your pain turned into this song that's amazing. Uh, right. So it's just, it's watch program helps them. It also helps, you know, mom or dad as well, learn how to be mom and dad again. You know, it's sad that these kids, you know, like when we helped, we helped Gary Sinise foundation with their counseling at the, you know, at Disney. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, these kids are at Disney world and you say, Hey, what do you want? what's the most thing that you want? And you're thinking they're going to tell you a ride or something. And they go, man, all I want is mom to be happy again. And it's sad that a kid is at Disney world right. and steal their first thing that they want. I just, I just, I just want to see my mom happy again. So these kids are bearing these, these pain as well. And we have to help the kids as well. So the watch program does that is, and by the way, I hope that your listeners know the children of lost police officers have it probably the worst because uh, one of our lost police officers, his wife told me when the kids went to school, other kids said, hey, it's good that your dad got killed because my parents say cops suck. I mean, that kid has to go to school and be told that it's ridiculous. So you, you have these children bearing this weight that they're way too young to understand or handle. So that's what the, the watch program does is it we're there for them. So they have a coping uh, mechanism and, a, and, and some, someone to talk to and different ways to, to, to get it out. And also to learn to get back into society as well, because if, if mom's depressed and she's sleeping all day because she lost dad, this, this child's not interacting in the community or, you know, singing somewhere or, or helping other people, like even feeding the homeless. We have them do that because they need to realize, 
hey, I don't have it as bad as I thought I did. These people have bad. I can help them. And, and we just start letting them learn to give. And at the same time, being able to get that weight that they bear um, off their chest. Because I'm telling you, when you see a 10-year-old child cry about, I can't tell anybody that I lost, my dad died. It's it's a it's a pretty powerful thing, you know. Well, and it leads to problems down the road because oh, you're yeah. just seeing the first the first phase of this kind of lifelong, um, I guess, situation for them because it never goes away. As much as we want to say that it gets better and people feel better after time, it never goes away. Now, Dan, I don't know if you know exact numbers, but can we get into? what we're seeing more of men, women, combat, uh, non-combat, what are kind of the trends that we're seeing with this? Well, um, statistically, I mean, of course, a lot of the men and women who have seen combat that are carrying that, those weight is going to be, uh, uh, you know, a higher rate, okay. but, but in that, um, there's a lot of levels of, of, uh, military women too. Um, and of course there's more men, uh, just because our military is heavy weighted with more male than female. But, you know, I, there's a few, uh, military women that I know that when they told the story about, you know, you're a Marine and you're a woman and how, how hard it is to basically, I mean, you got all these, you know, strong willed guys around you. And the stress level for them and, and where they get to cope is, is a whole different thing I could never even understand. Right. And the few that I, you know, that personally that I know that have gone through stuff, I, I, you know, I can understand it because being on the other side and when I was in, you know, um, you, you just take for granted that uh, it's a different stress level for them and what they're going through. And uh, also, you know, opportunities, right? If there's a position open at the military, most probably you know they're going to get whoever's the strongest, the fastest, or whatever to do some of those positions, and um, it's harder for a lot of them to uh, get promoted and and some of the things that opportunities and things. So when you get out, you know, uh, a lot of the women that I know that went through our counseling program, uh, the therapy was monumental to them, but that. The difference was a lot of the women vets seemed to open up easier you know, than uh, the men, but statistically well, they, they don't have that wall up. I think, you know, well, that, they have that, the wall where up you have to be strong easier for them to, I, I think it's uh, easier for them to talk to people uh, um, because I don't think they feel they're looked at differently right. than a guy thinks he's looked at that it's a weakness. Uh, but yeah, I mean, statistically, like I said, it's more than, I believe it's a whole lot more than 22 a day. We lose a first responder one every eight hours when you when you do all the math of all the first responders. But uh, on how many versus that, uh, we do track our statistics. But I don't know, uh, you know, of course, or how much I believe what's put out about all over the U.S., right? Because I don't, right. a lot of that stuff's not being tracked correctly. Uh, but we do – what we do, uh, we kind of have an intro um, – evaluation that uh, uh, rates the depression and anxiety and other things, right? And we track that through their whole progress so that we can document with them um, through different tests that 
they are getting better, right? And then, uh, so that's the great thing about us is that, so we can apply for grants and things like that. We have to have all these statistics uh, totally spelled out. So we're really good at that. But as I said, when we were called, well, when our main name was 22 Kill, uh, it's sad that, you know, I we call it just like AIDS, right? When AIDS first came out, everybody, you know, just didn't want to have anything to do with it, right? And it wasn't until right. a lot of the music community jumped in that all of a sudden it became it became okay. There's well, the a word, stigma attached right. to it. And with our name 22 Kill, which is a call sign, that's all kill is in the military is a call sign, but they heal Kill, they're out. In other words, is they they're not even listening to the mission. They're they're worried about a name. So they're part of the problem. But in that, we needed to find a solution because we're getting involved in Hollywood and a lot of things like that. Is so that's why we went with the this coming year, the One Tribe Foundation, because the One Tribe Foundation will, will encompass everything, and we will apply for most of the grants. We we applied through the grants through Stay the Course, and we've got a lot of grants, and but we'll use the One Tribe Foundation. But but you're right, um, man. I I tell you what, uh, it's going to be. I think when I, I don't know what's going to happen with the election and, you know, a charity, I can't get involved in who's, who should win and who shouldn't, but there's definitely, I don't even want to take a guess what's going to happen. Yeah. I, if there's a per, you know, if there's a group that, uh, like I said, it's very not as supportive, I think in the veteran world, we're, we're going to have even more issues. I, I, I just don't know till America wakes up and understands to help and support our veterans. And it's gotten a lot better uh, because now we're seeing more groups wanting to give money. And it feels like the, where we were, you know, 10 years ago where it was hard to get money for, I mean, I remember uh, somebody that we were talking about, Hey, these guys have PTS and all this other stuff. This woman said, well, <laughs> they went overseas. I mean, they're the ones that got it. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. PTS isn't an STD. They didn't go right. somewhere and catch this thing. It's an actual. <laughs> yeah, they casual, weren't trying to catch right. it. Right. It's an actual casualty of war, and why we have higher levels of PTS. Because I won't say the D because it's a disorder and it's not a disorder. So I don't say PTSD. I just say PTS. But anyway, is that you look at it? Why is there more uh, TBIs, traumatic brain injuries, and all these things more that that stay with these veterans and it's because our armor's gotten better. <laughs> so more men and women are living through traumatic experiences because they were wearing a vest, they were wearing a better helmet, uh, their gear was better. So they live through these explosions. They might lose a leg and arm, but they're living through more that back in Vietnam and back in World War II that you wouldn't have not lived through, right? Right. But right. in that, the interesting thing that we found that our CEO, who he was he was uh, blown up in an IED, lost his leg, part of his other leg, part of his right arm, is he told the greatest thing he told me was he goes, man, when I was sitting in the hospital, I thought the hardest thing I'm going to have to go through is the is the new physical world I'm going to live in. Right. Right. And he actually said the physical changes in a, that a, he adapt to were a million times easier than the mental issues he had to adapt to. And In other so words, what were some of the mental things that he was saying that he had to go through? Well, first of all was 
how do I conquer this pain without relying on drugs and alcohol? Right. What am I now going to do with myself? I've lost a leg, right? Uh, part of my right arm. Uh, how are people going to perceive me? Um, um, it's just like this huge traumatic experience has happened. And it's like, we'll pin a purple heart on you. You're out processed. And what am I going to do with myself? Right. Because right. I'm, I'm got, you know, I'm getting money from the, the government cause I'm disabled, but it's, you know, it's kind of like that thing. Uh, if it's broken and the lawnmower needs a pull string, but you just leave it in the garage, it's just going to sit there and rot. So these men and women that have gone through these huge traumatic experiences that are sitting at home, that scar is still there. Right. Uh, when they deal with the uh, VA, it's hard to get treatments. Um, some of them, uh, the next, the next, uh, like Jake, when his, you know, just say his nub that goes into his prosthetic starts bleeding. Sometimes it's three months before they can see him. Well, he does not want to get back in a wheelchair, right? So right. he'll hurt himself even harder to continue to wear that prosthetic leg. So we've luckily 22 kills been blessed that we have doctors that are friends of 22 kill medical doctors who said, Hey, if, if any of your veterans need that, I'll try to get them in, in we'll try to get them replacement socks that they can't get that that goes over the stuff. So we have a lot of resources that we've been able to get to help these veterans. But at the end of the day, it's the, it's the, I'm telling you, it's the six inches between the ears is the hardest thing to conquer for these veterans that have gone through so much, especially the, you know, traumatic brain injuries and the other things some of these veterans have gone through. That is the hardest road more than a physical. Most of the ones I've seen, I have, I've adapted to a chair. You know, I I've got my life. I know how to do things, but right. it still comes back to what happens my whole day. In other words, is you can take them hunting and fishing, but in the month, that's one time, right? So they, I, right. they got to have a good time, but what do I do the rest of the month? What do I yeah, do the with other myself? 30 days. Right. So that's the challenge is, is, you know, believing in yourself again and saying, well, what do you want to do? Right. Uh, you know, I want to do this and that. Well, freaking do it. Let's, let's, let's get your mind straight. Let's get you committed in this and let's do that. And we've had veterans who are blown up and had lost both of their eyes. And man, I tell you what, learned how to read Braille, put himself through college, uh, and then amazing. wrote a book and wrote a book. So it's amazing experiences, how strong, because once a veteran gets himself, he or she back to hundred percent, man, there's nothing they can't conquer. And you, you hear these stories of these veterans doing some of the amazing things, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and with no legs. I mean, right. Uh, it's amazing because the the will of the warrior is still there. And what we tell every veteran that goes, man, I, I you know, I want to take my life because I'm not that person anymore. Like, why aren't you that person anymore? The heart of that warrior is still in there. Let's try to find a way to get it back and let's find you. Let's get you concentrated and focused on something else that will drive you. And we have uh, a, a friend of mine, one of our veterans. I'm telling you what, this guy's got a prosthetic leg. He beats me at golf. He can surf. He can, I mean, the guy's just like a beast, right? Because now he's changed that focus to 
I want to learn how to hunt. Uh, I want to learn archery. I want to learn how to surf. And he works out every day. He does things every day uh, to better himself because now he has these goals, right? Right. And what's great, met a fantastic woman. They're getting married in April. Uh, so you see the once that veteran and the first responders, once they get refocused, man, it's it's hard to stop them, right? It really is. Yeah. Well, you know, when you were talking about uh, the VA and you say that, you know, they, they have something go wrong and they're bleeding and they hurt themselves more because it's going to take three months to get back in. That's a huge problem to me. Uh, and, and more than just getting them back in, because then it makes you think it's taking them three months to get back in for a problem that they know is there. It's a visible scar. It's a visible wound to them and three months because there's so many of them. And we go back to the, the mental again. I, I just, it blows my mind to think how many people are being pushed to the wayside because that's not a visible scar, which as you're saying is probably the most important scar they're going to get. And so what do we do as a people, as a, you know, John Q citizen, what do we do to get these things fixed? Because that's ridiculous for people that have defended this country to be put on a back burner for not only visible medical scars, but for these mental scars. So what do we do? I mean, we need to push our congressmen our senators or congressmen and everything to let these veterans use what doctors that they want to use and to see people as fast as they can get in. That's what really needs to happen. I mean, um, like I said, is the VA, I mean, so this is why I tell everybody at the end of the day, I mean, like I said, why it's, I feel it's not successful is because if you're a doctor, you're going to go somewhere to get paid big money, right? right. You're going to go work for a hospital stuff. The VA is not paying you big money. So right. uh, it's just hard because I don't think that they have the, the best. You know, the funny thing was we had one of our galas and we I brought um, two of the amazing guys. Uh, one we lost. He took his life, Stephen Jackal, which is a sad moment for us because he's a very close friend. Uh, we loved him dearly, but he lost both of his legs and he had two of his, you know, two prosthetic legs. Mm-hmm. And then a friend of mine. Uh, Matt Pierce, who was a Fort Worth cop who was shot six times in the line of duty. Mm-hmm. But interesting on that day on the stage that I never thought about it is kind of how Jackal talked about how he bounced around in the medical world to get treated, right? And Matt was talking about how when he was treated, they flew in all over the place, these specialists, you know what I mean, to mm-hmm. save his life. It just seemed like there was no amount of money they they were they were willing to pay whatever to save his life and it was interesting the level of care that uh matt got was amazing you know and it it, it was and that's like, an amazing story and and the level of care talking about in the field when it happened from that point all the way up through that's an amazing story of his and it, you know it, it's the difference in being in you know not overseas in a battlefield as it was a battlefield there too, but how close they were to hospitals and things like that and, and aid. So what did you see the difference in the, in the mentality? Because as you said, you've lost one of these gentlemen. Um, What did you see different in them? 
Well, I mean, the problem is with um, suicide at the end of the day with, with a lot of people, you can't stand by somebody and put them, you know, in a room and guard them, you know, at the end of the day. uh, Well, that's how they handle it in the military, though. They put them on suicide watch and they post a guard to them. And that's not that's not a realistic thing in the world. We had a vet who tried to take his life. Um, They got him to the VA, went to the hospital. And a day later, they asked him if he was going to try it again. He said no. So they released him. I mean, so. Um, you know, I mean, it, we, we've got to be smarter than that on, you know, Absolutely. some circumstances and stuff like that. But, but in that, but by the way, uh, Matt Pierce, the Fort Worth guy, he's, he's an officer again, Yep. but, but why, I mean, I'm speaking for Matt. I mean, we're friends, but why is the real reason why he's an officer again? Well, even though he got shot six times and you know, he, the guy almost died. I mean, he got shot in the head. He lived through a shot in the head, and the rest of them were all over the place. I mean, you hear his story. You can look it up. Matter of fact, they have the actual video on YouTube of him in his car and the whole thing. It'll it'll take your your breath away listening to him and his moments uh, of where life got close. But why is because he couldn't retire. He didn't have enough years in service to retire. So as he said, is I mean, I went back, but he's got to go back. He's got a family to take care of. He's got kids. Uh, and it's sad to me that, you know, that is that, man, if you get a guy, an officer that has been shot, uh, there should be some instant pension of retirement that they should receive. And, and the same thing with a, with a veteran. If a veteran becomes fully disabled at a young age, I just think there should be uh, you know, better opportunities that's brought to them on college educations. And, and there's, there's just got to be better solutions that we have services that once they've been counseled, that we help them through that. Now, yeah, there are uh, things they can apply for. There are things that they uh, can go after. But um, at some of those locations, there's only a certain enemy that they're going to take. And, and also the solution of a lot of them go, I really don't know who to talk to about that, right? Like who do, who do I talk to about how do I better myself and what, what opportunities are out there? I mean, Texas is starting to do some pretty cool things that if you hire a veteran, you know, they'll subsidize half of the, you know, hourly costs for them and then they'll give you money to help train them. So there's a lot of these opportunities, but it's now, where does it fit in to what veteran I give examples? Like we have a lot of people ask me, Hey, I want to hire a veteran like in my shipping and receiving. Well, right. uh, this person was a chief master sergeant. Uh, his pay of where he was at was way above Mr. Shipping and receiving. Right. So right. going to him and say, Hey, do you want to be shifting and receiving is just same thing as do you want to work in the drive through? It's like, well, I should be more than that. I mean, I led, you know, two, three hundred, you know, men and women. Uh, I've got all this leadership skills. Right. Uh, so that's the problem is trying to find out by what grade they were to where they fit into the opportunities they have. But at the end of the day, the biggest thing I always say is that it's sad. You can't give a veteran a free car. You can't give a veteran a free house till that veteran 
fixes the six inches between their ears because people were like, there's several veterans that they gave homes to that end up taking their lives and they go, I don't understand. We gave them everything. We gave them a free home. It's like, I know, but you didn't fix them mentally first, right? Right. So you could have given them a damn Lamborghini. It wouldn't have made a bit of difference. So that's the big issue is that sometimes you try to fix issues by just throwing money at it, right? And right. and at the end of the day, you, you got to start with mental health first. And I understand there's a lot of things out there for mental health. Uh, and we're getting the thing that's very dangerous is is people are learning like everything else is like, I don't want to go to counseling. So what else is there? Right. Well, they have all these different programs, but at the end of the day, nothing beats one on one therapy because I don't care what it is that they're trying to do to help with the mental health stuff. If they can't get out that pain and anguish, it, they'll never they'll never be empowered to learn how to get over that pain and conquer it. So um, that's the, the well, thing. That I think I that's think. an important point that you should push on your on your non-traditional because they work hand in hand with your traditional therapies at 22 kill. Those right. non-traditionals go hand in hand. A lot of people think, Oh, it's just non-traditional. I'm going to go fishing and everything's going to be okay. But that's not the case at all. It, it, they go hand in hand with each other. Well, I mean, they go hand in hand if the veteran wants to do it. So that's why we say they're separate because it's sad that when you go, Hey, you want to, you want to go do this? And they go, wait a second. Uh, I'll need therapy. Hey man, all we're doing is hanging out. Right. But that non-traditional of going to hang out, to me, gets the camaraderie back. That's what I was about to say. Right. It's still then, traditional because you're still talking. Right. And then it, all of a sudden, you you get these allies, these people. As, as my wife said, that there was some event, that, like one of the first events I brought her to years ago. She saw these three veterans come in, and they were standoffish. They did, all three of them didn't know each other, and they didn't know mm -hmm. anybody else in the room. And then she kind of just forgot about him. And at the end of the night, she saw him high-fiving and hugging guys and bumping fists. And she goes, how in the hell did they make friends with that many people that fast? And it finally, that's when she finally got it. That, As a holy crap, that's, that's that camaraderie you talked about. And I said, yeah, you'll never see three civilians who don't know each other walk in a room. <laughs> right. They might introduce each other to one, two people, but they're not hugging anybody and fist right. bumping and doing all that stuff. So the camaraderie is a whole different thing. That, But once you get it, you know, they start telling the stories of things they've been through. And then, you know, he, they'll start talking to one and go, hey, this, this 22 kill thing, you, you try the therapy. Man, I, I tell you what, t talk about you know, releasing the soul and, and, and empowering me. Well, I don't know if I need that or not because, you know, yeah, one night, I, you know, I did this and this and you, Hey, listen, you know, bro, that's not right. You can't do that anymore. You, this is what I'm talking about. Let's, let's, let's get you going. Let's get you back at a hundred percent. Let's get that warrior back. And, and some of them, you know, like I had an officer friend of mine, uh, you know, I have a few, you know, I call them battle buddies, you know, that are just people that are, you know, I've got probably 20, 25 or 30 people. I, I try to keep in touch with making sure they're doing right. all right. And I knew he's, he was going through a hard time and he, uh, drinking and it, it, I just very self-destructive. And I kept t telling him every time I saw this guy, bro, I love you. 
man, I love you. I'm your friend, man, but you need help. I'm just telling you. And he, no, man, I don't need, okay, okay. Then his wife asked him for a divorce. And finally, he called me, bro, I think you're right. It took that long. I mean, it took a year for him to see how self-destructive he was. But what I'm saying is, is, is the love of just saying, hey, I love you. But man, you, you, you're going to have to fix yourself, bro. You need help. You know, you need to, you're self-medicating. You're doing these things, but never giving up. Like I said, you know, um, life's not easy. You can tell me to go F off a hundred times, but if I love you, I'm still coming back at you. And For that hundred and first time. Right. So about, you know, like you said, the hundred first time he says, okay, what do I need to do? So the amazing thing is he goes through our program and you could see the self-awareness and the control starting to come back. Now, all of a sudden, uh, I see him posting. He put all new tile in his house. He's rebuilding his back fence. He put a fire pit in the backyard because all this time of self-medicating is gone, right? And he started feeling it with things. And all of a sudden, he realized, holy crap, I got a lot of time. And I can do a lot of things that I've always wanted to do, right? right. And right. then he started seeing like that became the new thing, right? The new thing was like, holy shit, my house is starting to look good. Look at this right. tile. And then maybe I should do cabinets. And all of a sudden, you know, he got excited. And then he started, you know, together they started being counseled together and trying to work it back together. But what I'm saying is, is that at the end of the day, you we've got to love and support the people around us. And you can't just give up on them. Well, you got to know that it's hard sometimes to love those people. That people oh, should know that going into it. It's very hard to love those people sometimes. And, you know, if you, if you care about them, but right. yeah, if somebody wants to reject you and go away, I mean, what I'm saying is this, that's what he did. I mean, like my wife was like, why do you freaking talk to him? Sometimes he talks to you like crap. And I said, hey, but I know what's going on. And that's all mm -hmm. I wanted to tell him. Hey, when you're ready, let me know. Because the sad part about us that we have to do is we still have to uh, uh, confide to the and, and hold to the HIPAA laws that are out there. So the sad part is we get a wife or a mother that says, man, can you please help my son or my daughter? Can you call him? I can't. They have to make that first step and call us. We can't call them to try to entice to come to our program. It's we can't do it. And so the first thing that the first step is to understand that you have an issue and it's okay. It's okay not to be okay. But man, I tell you what, that first step is the hardest step. It really Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And the problem is why I say the camaraderie is better is because um, another example, I'm at a golf outing and this guy that uh, works uh, at a car lot who's a friend of mine, he's a general manager. It was for 22 kill and I was me being chairman of the board, the thing I look at is like, nothing's below me. If any of my tribe members are working events, selling t-shirts, I'll freaking work and sell t-shirts. I mean, to me, we're all one tribe. So I'm out there selling t-shirts and this guy says, Hey, my son was a Marine. He said, uh, man, he's doing good. Blah, blah, blah. Here, here I'm going to give you $200 for what y'all are doing, but I'm glad my son's not going through it. And his son listened to him, said that and that night, his son just let go and told his dad, I'm not okay. I'm not, I'm having, and his dad was freaking surprised. Right. And 
said, well, why haven't you ever told me what's the deal? He goes, well, you don't realize I have told you, but the communication, like even though they're a father and son, it's not the same communication as that it is with the camaraderie. So once we got that individual in, it was like, you know, he says, man, it's like he's back in his, you know, platoon. He's having fun, cutting up with guys. And now he's asking for help. I just see a different person, more happier, more, uh, more good at where he is today. Uh, so there's all those stories. Uh, but at the end of the day, it just takes, it takes a tribe, you know, to conquer, uh, this deal. That's why you, like I said, it's one tribe, one fight is because you, you can't just do it by yourself. You, you, you gotta have, and that's, but like you said, that's the whole thing. Even if your son and daughter or your sister-in-law or whatever, is not in the military and they are having an issue. You got to love them. And you know, what we say is, uh, love hard. Love hard because because it's hard to love sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's not easy, but you know, I look at it that you know my thing, and I you know we're not a religious organization. I'm a religious guy that I just think that everybody inside them has this soul, and that soul uh, is is see, uh, seeking for things. The sad part is it depends on who you end up hitting that you seek with. In other words, is if it's negativity. If it's drugs and alcohol, then you can go to the, the dark side in the sense and destroy your life that way. But when you when you grasp on, you see somebody do a good deed or do something awesome, and you go, wow, that was awesome. You could feel that the soul goes, that was amazing that they did that. And you start thinking instantly, maybe I should do something like that. So sometimes people, especially civilians, I want patriots, you know, everybody goes, I never served. I don't care if you served or not. We need more patriots in this country. But come be a part of us. Help volunteer and your soul will be so filled up that when you're making that difference and helping us or making a difference. And not only that, I'm saying you want to help your church or you want to help poor people or you want to help something else. I just think we seek to better. And that's what your soul really needs. I mean, just like you hear these millionaires. I, I, I'm a multimillionaire and I'm not happy because you can have all the million millions of dollars. And I know when you don't have it, you go, if I just had more money, I'd be happy. Right. <laughs> but at the end of the day, till you have something that fills that soul, then you realize that's, that's true. Happiness is, um, you, you coach for a team. You, you do something. What I say, like my grandmother told me, uh, when I, I think it was like 10 years old, I've never forgotten this, is she said, what do you think that God wants out of you the most? And I threw out all these things, hell, I'm 10. And she goes, no, what he wants the most out of you is you to make a difference in this world and not just monetarily, not just give money, that you put your hands around something, you physically made it change to the better. That's really what he wants. That's why he's put men and women on this planet is because we need to make a difference and help each other. Because how many people do you hear that were selfish their whole lives? And at the end of their lives, they said, I wish I could have helped somebody. I wish I could have made a difference. Because at the end of the deal, all the selfishness of I want this, this, and that, and that, it never can feel what's inside. It can never, to me, it can never feel that soul. So that's why to me is that, you know, I always told my wife, if if COVID takes everything away and I live in the shed in the backyard, as long as there's a toilet we can put in it, I'm freaking pretty happy. You know what I mean? 
I, I don't care how nice it lives. Now, it, it's got to be a regular toilet, though. though. The hell yeah, with those composting toilets. Yeah, you could put a toilet in there, but it's actually got to go. Yeah, like, it's got to go somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Dan, let's, let's talk about a couple more things before we sure. wrap this up. I want to talk about signs that people can look for because I think that's a big problem too is people don't know what they're looking for to see that people are hurting. Just like you mentioned that dad, Hey, my son's doing fine. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you have this organization, but I'm fine. So let's talk about one uh, signs to look for what we should do when we see those signs. And then I want to wrap it up with the honor ring and then how okay. to volunteer. Okay. So to me, the, the signs are very common. What I, when I've, when I've been to funerals, um, people said, man, I knew they were sad. I knew they were depressed. They didn't want to be around me anymore. They self-isolated or they were using drugs or alcohol. They tell you the signs that are the signs, right? And that's the problem is most of those signs are in front of you. And when the friends that you know all of a sudden change. They don't want to be, they don't want to hang around with you anymore. Uh, when you call them, they're always at home and they say, no, I'm just sleeping all the time. Those are signs that I think you can be pretty smart to go, man, something's going on. Right. Right. So the real issue is ask and press the issue. In other words, ask the question, but press the issue of, Hey, no, what's going on? Tell me what's going on as a friend or a loved one. You need to press the issue. And then third, be ready to come up with a solution. Okay. So in other words, if you know that they're depressed, you know, there's an issue, find them a solution and help them get there. Right. You don't have to, you can take them. You're not going to be in the room. Right. But help them find a solution. I mean, we all know what's the solution. If you have a friend that has a, a drug problem, well, let's help them go to a drug rehab. Right. I mean, you know what the problem is. But a lot of times the biggest issue I'd say is you see the signs and you ignore them. And do you think that's, that's out of fear? I think it's out of we think now, especially worse than ever, COVID. Excuse me. We think now, you know what? I got enough problems. I mean, I got enough stuff going on in my life okay. right now. And you turn away from your friends, which goes back to the you should really love your friends, right? Okay. Because once again, the ones that I have helped that were, believe me, I, I, I almost rather beat my head on concrete. It was such a difficult thing. But when they got over that hump, the love they gave back was just, I can't even uh, imagine when, when I see some of the, the, the veterans that and first responders that give me the best hug in the whole freaking world because that hug, you can tell meant, man, you changed my life to the better. So the other thing is we got to pick up, I call them cookies, is that somebody will throw out a cookie and that can be on email, text message, or a conversation is all of a sudden it's like, man, yeah, well, how things going? You know what? I was thinking the other night, what if I just left the world? You know, what if I just wasn't here tomorrow? You got to be smart enough to listen and find those cookies that are thrown out there and go, and go, well, it was a time like, what I say is stop right there. Stop right. What the hell did you just say? Well, I just said, uh, it's no big deal. No, 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 dude. I tell you what, I talk to people every day. I never say to one person that I'm talking to, Hey, I might not be here tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. Right. So why did you say that? 
what's going on with you? Well, I lost my job and this has happened. Well, let's what's going on, man? Like, what can I help you? Or let's focus on what the issue is. How can I help you and support you? You know, and it's tough because, you know, of course, each person that's going through pain, a lot of it's what's going on in the world, right? Which is I lost my job. So financially, there's a lot of issues. Well, I can't give you money. You know what I mean? I, I can't. So we can help you try to figure out, man, maybe you can defer some of your payments. Maybe you can sell something. Let us help you. But, but at the end of the day, I we can't, you know, we definitely, 22 kilos, it's not going to give you money to pay your bills and help you on things, right? Uh, there's been veterans that something catastrophic has happened, right? And we've helped the family because that's not fair, right? Uh, right. Dad or mom took their lives and and we've done some fundraisers, helped with GoFundMe that, you know, make sure they're taken care of. But that's the thing. The biggest thing that you have to look for is let's be more aware of things that you know are happening. And like I said is I'm going to tell you right now, all the funerals I've gone to that were suicide. Good portion of people that were friends came up to me and said, <laughs> literally, I knew they were depressed. I knew they were self-isolating. I knew they were drinking more than they usually did. It was, they were hard to talk to, uh, and I didn't know what was going on. And it's like, well, you just said it. <laughs> so from that, uh, the honor ring, uh, like I said, is we want you to be part of our tribe. And when we go places, how instantly anywhere I go, uh, when I see somebody wearing the 22 kill ring, I instantly go, hey, is that a 22 kill ring? Because it's on their index finger, which is your trigger finger. So you put uh, it on your trigger finger and it tells you, it tells other people that you're part of the tribe. And what we want you to do is something in the military called force multiplier. And a force multiplier is sort of like the rumor thing in the sense, you know, if you keep spreading it, how that grows. Well, the force multiplier is if you come, like I've had people say, I want to donate a hundred dollars to 22 kilos. So I tell you what, you keep that hundred dollars, you come to an event, you come to see the camaraderie and the things. And I promise you that hundred turns into thousands by when you tell people the story, by seeing that in your heart, that all of a sudden you can tell them these are the amazing things they're doing. You now empower force multiply 10 people to give a hundred dollars. And that to me is more powerful is when you witness what we do and you come volunteer, which you can go to our website or you can go through uh, Facebook uh, and you can, uh, we have basically a calendar that will send you. Justin Jones is our, our outreach coordinator and, but hey, I'm telling you, we've gotten so large, you got to jump on it fast because we'd say, hey, we want 10 people. We'll put you what time that you're going to show up. You know, you need to show up. Then we want you to learn the mission because if you're going to sell apparel to me, we're more interested that you know the mission than you know how to sell apparel. Right. right because right. at the end of the day, there's always new people that come and what I don't want to see is, and neither does anyone else is. So what does 22 kill mean? And you go, I don't know. Let me find somebody. So we want you to understand the mission. And, 
Um, we've got videos out there, or you can ask anybody that works for us, but we want you to be able to help with that camaraderie and help it grow. And like I said, go to the website. You can buy any of our apparel and get, get a ring. You can get a ring customized. Uh, if you wanted the Marine logo in it, Air Force, we've got, you can go to our website and see all the different things. And that I costs saw rank and everything on them. Yeah. Anything that you want done, it costs you a little bit more to do it because we laser engrave ourselves. And, but, uh, but to be proud of it, you know, and that's the thing we see more and more people want more and more things that have to do with service. Uh, the, the greatest one was have a ring that we have done that just says Patriot. And to me, I love it when a, when a uh, civilian goes, I want a ring that just says a patriot, because that means to me is like, all I want to do is say, I believe in the mission. I believe what you guys are doing. And I want to talk to people about it. But just Which means like, more than anything. Oh, to more people than anything, that are doing like, it. Like when a veteran, I tell everybody, you know, if you buy a veteran's lunch or you tell them, thank you for your service, they might not look like right away that made a difference. But hell, you may have kept them going for one more day by them going, wow, somebody actually, and the funny thing I always say is somebody goes, man, I told this old guy, uh, thank you for your service. He didn't seem like he, you know, like he appreciated it. I said, listen, he's wearing that hat that said veteran because he wants people to know. And Absolutely. the fact that you paid attention and said something, believe me, it made a big difference. You may have not seen it, but in his heart, it made a big difference because He's wearing that hat because he's proud, but he's also wearing it because he wants people to know that and that you recognize it, especially a young man or woman goes a long way. But yes, you can donate through ourselves. And by the way, uh, one thing that I'm really proud of, because if uh, people don't realize when you want to analyze a charity, a 501c3, you, they're all exposed on the IRS. You can go view their 990. And you can see exactly what goes to the, the programs. You'd be surprised. There's a lot of charities that only 15% actually goes to a program. So what I'm proud of is out of every dollar, 85 cents goes to a program. So 85% is unheard of. Uh, but that's how serious we are about doing the right thing and being good stewards of your money. So when we do something, it's to benefit the programs and to benefit men and women that serve. Well, it's an, uh, it's an amazing organization. Um, you guys are, are really fighting the fight that a lot of people, I think, don't even know about right now. And I, I think that's where it starts. So, guys, let's go over a couple things real quick. If you're feeling like suicide, if you're feeling down, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. Uh, if you want to get a hold of 22 Kill, there's a couple different ways you can do it. You can email at info, I-N-F-O, at 22kill.com. You can also send a text message to 838-255. Uh, they have, of course, the 22kill website, and that's 22kill.com. It has everything that you need to know about. You can volunteer with them. There's a couple different ways to do that. And if you want to be part of what they're doing, from a veteran standpoint, from a first responder standpoint, there are ways and it will tell you exactly what you need to do to be a part of that. Uh, you can also go to their store. You can purchase the merchandise, which, of course, helps out. But I think the biggest thing that they want is people to take part in things, that they take that $100 bill and turn it into 1000 by being a part of it and letting people know. So, Dan, 
it's been a amazing conversation with you. You are uh, a, a truly a great man to do this, to be the chairman of this board. Dan Lombardo Jr., he is the chairman of the board for 22 Kill. Please get a hold of him. We'll put all the links up on uh, the actual video and the podcast to let people just click on it and be able to go to it. Is there anything else that you want to promote uh, before we get out of here, Dan? You know, the, the last thing is just what I said is focus. Hey, listen, find somebody um, in your family and just give them a hug. Love them hard because life is short. and uh, Make sure that they know that you uh, you want them to be here because that's really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, check out this organization if you haven't ever heard about it. If you know someone in your family that's a first responder, that's a military personnel that's hurting, or if you have someone that's not any one of those things, please look for the signs. Please help them out. Once again, the national number is 1-800-273-8255. You can go to the 22kill website at 22kill.com. You can get info at info at 22kill.com, a text message at 838-255. Guys, that's going to be it for the show this week. This has been the DTD podcast. Just remember, whatever you want to do in life, you do that deed. That's going to be Dan. I'm DJ. This has been the show for this week. We'll catch you on the next one. See you later, guys.